Hi everyone, this week we are joined by Devin Cantu. Devin is a six-year physics graduate student at MSU working with the IceCube Neutrino Observatory, a detector designed to observe neutrinos from astrophysical sources within the universe. We'll also learn about Devin's experiences with flying airplanes, riding motorbikes, and other high adrenaline hobbies. It's super cool. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome. Um, can you introduce yourself briefly? Say who you are and what you study? Sure. I am Devin Cantu. I am a sixth year grad student. Um, I am studying physics, in particular particle astrophysics at MSU. Nice. How did you end up in um, that field? So I um, started in neutrino physics in undergrad. I uh, studied with a professor on a project called Project 8, which is kind of weird. But um, so it, it aims to, to, to measure the mass of a neutrino. Um, and I was, I've been interested in space all of my life and I was really missing, you know, the space side of, of research. So I got into the um, particle astrophysics. So a neutrino astrophysics really um, in grad school to satisfy the space side of my interests. Okay. So are you like measuring neutrinos from like the sun or stars or something like that? Or is that not really what you do? So what I'm doing, I am a, uh, I am working with the ice cube neutrino observatory that's down in Antarctica. And it was ultimately designed to observe neutrinos from sources in our universe. Um, the area that I'm trying to find neutrino sources is within the galaxy, uh, in particular sources that extend a few degrees in the sky rather than just really located point sources. Okay, nice. So I have a question. Why, why Antarctica? Why is it in Antarctica and not just anywhere? Yeah, so in order to make a neutrino detector that can observe these neutrinos um, from a really, really high energy range that you don't see on Earth uh, with man-made particle accelerators like the LHC or things like that, you have to have a, a detector that is extremely large. So our detector is a cubic kilometer sized detector in volume. Um, and also to do neutrino astronomy, you need to have a clear medium. Um, so something like water or ice. So a large volume of water or ice and um, a perfect place for that is that in Antarctica. <laughs> have you ever gotten to go down there? Or is yeah, that... yeah. Oh, that's I got awesome. to go down there, uh, I think maybe like three years ago now. Oh, nice. What was that experience like? It was amazing. Uh, I actually, coming to MSU, I knew that um, I wanted to work on Ice Cube, and I knew that they sent people down there every year. And I walked into in in the grad student weekend or the like the grad weekend where people would come over to visit MSU to see if they wanted to come. I forget what that's called, but uh, yeah, I walked into that. Um, with the professor that I wanted to work with saying, 
I really want to go down there. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, okay. So he put me on the correct parts of the experiment, working on the right analyses to be able to have the best chances of going down there because it's very competitive to to be able to to go down. Um, so I worked on a project that is called Ice Act, which is a project that um, in the future would have these small telescopes, probably about a meter, a square meter, cubic meter, um, all laid out on the surface of the ice above ice cube. And so they're in the prototype stage and I got to go down and set up one of the prototypes um, down there at the South Pole. Oh, super cool. So like how long were you there for? Uh, I think it was about a month, um, a little over a month, I think maybe like eight weeks, including, or not eight weeks, six weeks, including travel time from Michigan and to, uh, back to Michigan because there was a lot of delays. It is very complicated to be able to get down to Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a matter of just <laughs> at the local airport. And <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Do you have to like fly down to what is it like Argentina and then launch? So off there, there? But yeah, there are a few ways. Um, if people who typically go through South America are the people who are going to Palmer Station because that's the one that's on like that little tail of Antarctica mm -hmm. that's close to the tip of South America. Um, since I was going to the South Pole, the typical route that you do is you fly to Christchurch, New Zealand. And you take military aircraft to McMurdo Station, which is on the coast that's um, closer to New Zealand than it is to South America. And then you fly from McMurdo Station to uh, the South Pole. Fascinating. Awesome. Well, that's, that's really cool. Um, wow. So I'm guessing probably very cold. Antarctica has a reputation of being very cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the cold, so it didn't bother me at all. Um, I went at the later part of the summer, so it had just started started to get colder. Uh, I think the coldest that I saw um, was minus 40 degrees with a wind chill of about, about minus 70 degrees. This is Fahrenheit because I don't work mm -hmm. in Celsius. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then there's this place called the Ice Tunnels in uh, below the station in the South Pole. And that has, I think, a temperature of minus 50 degrees Celsius or minus 60 degrees Celsius. I can't remember. But I got to spend some time in there. And it was so cold that I, I had ice crystals forming on my eyelashes, um, <laughs> which was a very strange experience. But I absolutely loved it. That's, that's really funny. So then, yeah, because there's something like, I imagine you go down there, but I imagine you're probably not actually outside all that very much. I mean, you're probably well, since, since I was deploying one of these prototypes, we did spend a good amount of time outside. Um, oh, okay. But uh, we were deploying it on the top of the ice cube lab that's down there, so on the roof, and there's this little hut on the roof um, and we would typically do a lot of work because a lot of work in that little hut, um, one to warm up your hands and two, because that 
is where you could route down all the electrical cables from the roof down into the ice cube lab below. Um, but yeah, we just spent a, a good amount of time working outside. No, my hands paid the price, but it was <laughs> worth it. <laughs> that's that's super cool. Not many people can say that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it was definitely one of the highlights of grad school for me. Nice. So you said you started doing uh, particle physics in undergrad. Mm -hmm. um, so where did you do your undergrad? I went to MIT in Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. How was that experience? It was an experience. It was, it was an experience. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was very good. MIT taught me a lot of a lot of things. I don't think I could get any, anywhere else. Um, but it was also very difficult. Um, and I had to I had to refine my love for physics when I was there because it started to become a chore to me um to be doing physics when i was at mit and i kind of had to refine that love and could and make me want to continue on to grad school um but mit i think taught me a lot of problem solving skills um and a lot of how how to i guess resilience is the word um a lot of that kind of stuff to be able to push through hard times. Yeah. How did you get into physics in the first place? Well, I was always interested in science growing up. Uh, I mean, my mom would recall things from like when I was three years old, pointing at the sky, looking at an airplane and getting all excited. And she would always buy me books on airplanes or space, things like that. Um, and I, got really interested in science uh, in elementary school and to the point where I applied to a math and science academy for middle school and then in high school is really where I honed in on physics in general as as the science that I was interested in so it started at a really young age for me oh super cool you mentioned like airplanes and stuff I felt like I saw somewhere that you were like a pilot or getting your pilot's license or something like yeah. that. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I went to an aviation academy for high school. Um, oh. So the aviation academy, it had two different tracks. It had aerospace engineering as well as pilot training. And I ended up doing both. And um, by senior year, that is when you actually go into a plane and do your pilot's license training. And yeah, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So do you fly now or? I would love to. <laughs> I wanted to continue it uh, into college, but the big problem is money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> paying, paying for a plane is very expensive mm -hmm. and I didn't get paid a lot at MIT and um, it would take a, it would take a lot of money now to, get recertified so i'm going to wait until i have a steady well-paying <laughs> job that's not being a grad student and um that's when i'll get back into it nice so when you did do like your your test or like was it i'm guessing it must be a small plane right? oh yeah i don't really know yeah, how that yeah, works yeah, yeah. yeah so first you take ground school um 
which is basically learning all the things about an airplane, all the things about being um, in airspaces and how to deal with traffic in the air, how to deal with uh, traffic control at airports, um, and how to deal with all different things like uh, anything that you might encounter in an airplane, like maybe the wings icing over or maybe suddenly losing lift and you'll have to learn how to how to regain that lift um, in the air. And you take this test and you pass the ground school test and then you start doing your training inside an aircraft. Usually it's, you know, two to four seater. It's a, it's a, a prop plane and uh, a propeller plane, sorry. And yeah, so it's definitely doing it in a, in a, in a small aircraft and then you start building up past that once you get your basic private pilot's license. Okay. Me personally, like I hate flying because it scares me. <laughs> Even though like as a physicist, like I know that it's not just going to fall out of the sky, hopefully, most likely. <laughs> um, so like, but just like a regular plane scares me and like the bigger like the more stable it is i imagine like a little plane would be terrifying of like bouncing around and everything like what was your first time like uh so my mom is the exact same as you let me just say she's absolutely <laughs> terrified of flying um so she wasn't thrilled when i started you know having interests in being a pilot <laughs> but she didn't stop me. Um, so when I was younger, she, uh, she had a friend or a colleague of hers that was also a pilot. And she asked him to take me up in, uh, one of the small planes to see if, you know, I would like a small, the way a small plane feels as compared to one of the big commercial jets. Um, and he, put me through the ringer. He was doing all of these cool tricks and stuff. And I, I, I just fell in love. I, I don't know. I love that feeling of flying, um, especially in a small aircraft when you can feel a lot more of the air itself. But you did say that they might be less stable. Uh, the airplane that they train you in is so stable that if you attempt to put it into a stall, which means you lose, you lose the air or you, you lose the lift. If you put it into a stall, which we do, uh, in training, you're supposed to put yourself into a stall and then take yourself out of it. Um, the, the plane, a lot of the times just auto corrected itself because it was so stable that it would just, it would just auto correct itself. Wow. So it's like, like a fancy glider, more or less, like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Still scares me. <laughs> yeah, my mom wasn't happy when I got my pilot's license. She was so brave. She let me take her up in in the plane. Uh, once I got my license, um, she didn't have fun. <laughs> but <laughs> did you do a lot of like? I've never done these, but you know, the, the big simulators that they have now for, for airplanes, does that how they do they do a lot of training through that? Or is it more before you ever get in the plane? 
Uh, I remember having some flight simulators in school, in high school. Uh, we did okay. have some training, and uh, I mean, we did. I felt I feel like it was just more for fun. Okay. Um, I'm sure <laughs> they do implement it a lot for for pilots that are that by trade, not just by hobby. Um, I, I know a lot of my friends that went to school with me who are professional pilots now who say they do a lot of, a lot of training in simulators, but professional simulators, not just one I could get yeah. on, on, you know, you're not just my, on Google or little, do yeah, my little computer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know a lot about any of this stuff. So I'm like, I don't know if this is a dumb question or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, still scary. I have nightmares just like thinking about that. <laughs> but yep, like I said, my mom biggest fear flying. Second biggest fear is water. So flying over water is like her absolute nightmare. Um, luckily, I didn't take her over any water. But yeah. Did you? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, not oh, okay. New, New Mexico. Not New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a fun experience. Oh, okay. So then I'm guessing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing Las Vegas, there's probably two parts. There's the part that you know everyone sees on TV and then the actual locals who live in Las Vegas. And oh, you're your definitely thoughts. right. Yeah, and I'm guessing like yeah. one has a strong feeling about the other. Yes. yes. Typical <laughs> typical people who grow up or live in Las Vegas rarely step foot on what people call the strip. Um mm -hmm. which is the part in the middle of Las Vegas that has all the casinos and what you see and all the pictures. Mm -hmm. I think I maybe went down to the strip, I don't know. I could count maybe on a hand how many times I went down there. I actively avoided that area. That's, that's sort of what I expected. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did you enjoy growing up in Las Vegas, though? Uh, I didn't enjoy growing up in Las Vegas, but I think I've grown to appreciate what I had now that I live elsewhere. Um, I lived on one of the mountains in Las Vegas, so uh, Las Vegas is basically... A, a valley surrounded by mountains. So you have Las Vegas and the strip's kind of in the middle and then you go out and then it's mountains surrounding the area. And I lived on one of the mountains and it was so easy, so incredibly easy to escape the city, go out hiking, go out to the lake, um, just go out and adventure, you know, mm -hmm. in, in nature. Um, and that's something that I really enjoyed. Uh, but being a kid, you don't, get to take too much advantage because you don't have a car yet until the later years. Um, but growing in Las Vegas, I loved the cold. So Las Vegas was very hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there, there wasn't too much to do for younger, the younger population because it's a city built around um, very older adult. age groups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. But okay. they did give me the opportunity to have that aviation school. Like, I don't think you really find that any anywhere else. Um, so there are things that Las Vegas did give me that were, were very good. 
Very cool. So I have like one question that I've been like really wanting to ask you about, which really involves, well, actually I don't even have a well-formed question about it. I just want to talk about your motorcycle because it looks super cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't really have a question. I'm like, it yeah. looks super cool. How did you get into it? I was like kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my husband, my now husband, we met in high school or we met in middle school. Um, but he started motorcycling in high school and he's the one that got me into it. Um, I've always been an adrenaline junkie. I've had this lead foot my entire life and I've always wanted to go fast, like really, really fast. And to, to the disappointment of my mother. Um, she doesn't like it, but yeah, she, uh, our, he's the one that got me into it. Um, and I'm glad he got me into motorcycling later in life. I was rather reckless when I was younger, not thinking about, um, safety in any sense of the word. I was very reckless when I was younger. Um, but getting into motorcycling, I, I got my license sometime in undergrad. I got my motorcycle license and my husband is a lot more safety conscious than me. And he wants to wear all of, all of the protective gear and uh, which is something I probably wouldn't have done before when I was younger. Um, so yeah, I got into motorcycling through him and I rode, he, I rode his bike so he had a bike from high school, and then when we moved into a house in Michigan, we bought another bike for him. So I started riding his old bike, and he rode his new bike. And then <clears throat> once COVID hit, I had my COVID purchase splurge of a new motorcycle for myself, and I've uh, been riding that very heavily this season <laughs> to get out of the house. Very, very cool. So do you just, wait, when you go out motorcycling, it's just like, oh, I'm just riding out, you know, in the countryside or doing something just out and about where you do yeah. other, I don't know, like a closed track or something like that. So, yeah, it's typical for us just to go out riding. Um, I like to have a destination or at least a, a, a route that I know I'm going to take. Um, but my husband likes to just go and turn randomly whenever he wants. That's not my, that's not my jam. So whenever I lead, I have a clear destination of what we're doing. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's riding out on the country roads in Michigan. I like to take the highways because I like to go fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> my husband likes to go on the curvy roads, but you don't find many of those in Michigan. Um, so he's the slower and curvy and I'm the fast and straight kind of person. Um, but yeah, I'd love to take it out to a track one day. Um, there are a lot of things you need to do to the bike to get it, to get it track worthy. Um, so we'll have to think about that, but I think there is a track in Michigan somewhere that we could take. Them. Oh, that'd be super cool. Um, so so this crossed my mind. So coming to Michigan, one of the first things I noticed about moving to Michigan were that the roads are not um, ideal. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
there are many areas that we avoid <clears throat> taking the motorcycles because they're they're very rough on the bikes oh and a lot of a lot of the times like you have to stand up on the bike if you see a bad area of road coming up um there are some some of the <clears throat> some of the parts of the road that we've hit i i would have sworn would have destroyed the motorcycles um but they survived this long but we do we do avoid areas we know that are bad yeah that's like something i noticed i'm like there's a lot of potholes and <laughs> i do think i like it wouldn't take much to to biff it and oh i've never seen roads this bad in my entire life in las vegas there's always road construction going on um so the roads are really really great and smooth and I don't remember them in Boston too much because I didn't drive in Boston. You take subways and buses and stuff. Um, but coming to Michigan, I cringe. We have a truck. So even with a truck, I cringe every time I know like there's going to be a bump that we're about to run over. And I'm just like, please don't destroy our truck or motorcycle. It freaks me out. I've never yeah. seen roads like this before. Yeah. Seems like if you owned an alignment business, that would be like good business. That's Very. <laughs> yep. Cool. Okay. Well, that was all very cool. Thank you for entertaining <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like that is not something like, especially like trying to show that like, oh, hey, physicists aren't this like one type of person, but like, there aren't a lot of people that I see that have, you know, that have like cool motorcycles or like adrenaline junkies and doing our, our cool stuff like that. And I, I find that fascinating, even though I, I'm not much of one It's like, <laughs> I can appreciate it from. <laughs> yeah. I try and get people to participate in things. Like I think uh, I have convinced some of my fellow grad students to go skydiving with me before I graduate. Uh, so if you want to join. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. <laughs> I think I, I can appreciate going fast on the ground. Like that, like I am into like auto racing and stuff like that. Like I, in my mind, I'm like, that would be so cool. But the sensation of falling does not, you know, appeal to me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really feel like you're falling. You feel like you're kind of just floating. I don't know if that'll make you feel better, but. <laughs> I'm not really for that. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> That's fine. So I like so flying in every sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know why. It's not like I've ever had a traumatic experience with it, but I don't like heights. <laughs> Which That's fair. No. But. Okay, so besides doing all sorts of you know, heart racing sort of stuff, <laughs> do you do <laughs> anything like outside of, like is that, what are your hobbies outside of say that, but also physics? Do you do anything else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that was, I could have worded that better. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love, I love playing sports um, or working out. I like to be outside. Uh, but things that don't get my heart rate up are, uh, are my hobbies that don't do that. 
mm-hmm. I love playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I love painting little minis for D&D <laughs> as well. Uh, so those are my, and I like to read and play video games like any typical nerd. Um, so yeah, I do have hobbies that don't require a high heart rate. <laughs> I, I feel like the risk of injury is very much lower in painting little figurines. Yes, it is very low. I sit on my couch with my with the little figurine and my paintbrush really close to my face, and that's pretty much it. I think the highest risk is me stabbing myself in the eye with a paintbrush, but that's very low what risk. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sports are you into? Uh, I like soccer. Soccer is uh, the sport I like to play. Um, but I, I played on the physics grad team for a little bit, and then I think now that's, I mean, it's not going on right now, or I highly doubt that it is. Um, I know that was a thing. It was at least a while ago. I haven't been playing for maybe a couple of years now, so maybe that's why, because it kind of just broke up. I don't know. But, we, but yeah, were... we were playing intramural sports together, intramural soccer. Oh, very um, nice. So I did that, and I just like to go to the gym, do weights. Uh, I like to, oh, I don't want to say I like to run, uh, but I run to do exercise now. I don't Uh, think anyone likes to run. That's just a lie (laughs) that they tell themselves. (laughs) Yeah, I I run not for fun, but to exercise. I like to, I like to bicycle, so... I have to make that distinction because I can't just say I like to bike because there's yes. two different bikes that I have. Um, so yeah, I do uh, bicycle as well and uh, more of the extreme stuff like snowboarding, um, ATV, things like that. I, I like a lot of different types of sports. Nice. Um, well, snowboarding, there's not a lot of mountains here. Michigan, exactly no <laughs> no so there isn't this is a very that? flat place <laughs> uh, it was when i was growing up in vegas there was uh, the mountains nearby that we could uh snowboard at haven't done it recently oh. Oh, i guess i didn't realize the mountains were that tall they're pretty tall um See, i've I driven think... through numerous times and i yeah, there's, uh, I think Las Vegas is around 2,000 feet, and when I was pilot training, we would typically fly, fly at around 10,000 feet, and that was kind of at where the tips of the mountains were. I don't, I don't remember how high the mountains are, but uh, there's definitely enough uh, to get snow um, oh, okay. on some of them. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So. ATV, do you also have an ATV? I would love to get an ATV. But I don't. Not right now. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like another thing. I'm like, I, I could see myself doing that because that seems, that seems cool. That seems fun. <laughs> yeah. ATVing is a lot of fun. I also want to get into snowmobiling while I'm here in Michigan because that is a big thing in Michigan, apparently. Um, I, could, I could see that. Mm-hmm. That also sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That also sounds dangerous. Like, I grew up in Colorado, and I was like, snowboarding was, like, one of those things that sounds really cool, but then I also knew lots of people, like, seriously injured doing it, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. it's, you have to be careful when you do it. 
but yeah one of our grad students on ice cube has a family who who has like four snowmobiles and they go out every every winter uh up to the up up is what people call it the up i guess so yeah that's what they tell me Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah they go up there every winter and i missed my opportunity last winter to go with them so hopefully they'll go again this winter because yeah that that sounds pretty cool (laughs) yeah Cool. Have you ever got done like dirt biking? That sounds like it would be a yeah. similar vein. Yeah, I've gone dirt biking, um, not recently, but that was also a thing I did in uh, high school. Um, definitely different from motorcycling. You have mm-hmm. a lot looser traction on the ground, obviously, because the dirt yeah. moves around when asphalt doesn't. Um, so it's a different feeling. Uh, but yeah, I like dirt biking as well, uh, and mountain biking, um, on bicycles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, difficult to do that here though. So difficult. Why did I move to a flat state? <laughs> so if, do you have like the same thought, like when I moved here, you know, very mountainous place I moved from. And then mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, so I'm going out hiking. And I'm like, you are walking outside. That is what you are doing. That is not hiking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I have like a visceral re- like reaction to it. Oh, I do. Yeah, as well. Because growing up, we would take a lot of trips to Colorado and Utah, where places where hiking is the actual sense of the word mm-hmm. hiking. <laughs> um, and I grew up living on a mountain. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's. It's totally different here. It's absolutely flat. And people say they go uh, snowboarding all the time. And I'm like, where? Where are the mountains? (laughs) Tell me where they are and I will go snowboarding too. But it's just literally a hill. That's all I can snowboard on. You go down so much driveway. (laughs) Yeah. I did the hill. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Colorado must have been a really good place to grow up for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Once again, I wasn't like that exciting of a person, but I'm like, I wish I had like done maybe or at least attempted some some more stuff. But yes, I was like very much into hiking, and I like bicycling. Um, um, I'm not cool to bike. I'm not. <laughs> able. Yeah. I have not done that. I don't even know how to begin to do that. Um. Mountain biking is like one of those things that sounds really cool. It also sounds very tough, I would imagine. It's, yeah, it's difficult. Um, it's, it can also be dangerous depending on what type you do. My husband has done downhill mountain biking before, uh, which is very dangerous. Um, he had a pretty. Because <laughs> I imagine that if you're mountain biking, like, there's an elevation change. So at some point you go up and then sometimes you go down. Yeah, it's. It's a trail that's literally it. It only just it only goes downhill, so mostly you're uh, breaking. <laughs> <laughs> you're not really pedaling at all, and you. He had this nasty, nasty wreck where he just fell and kept tumbling down, and he thought he broke his femur, uh, and had to wait for his dad to find him. Yeah, no, it can you can 
take some pretty nasty spills for downhill mountain biking. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it'd be very hard because it's all about like your kind of like center of gravity, right? You know, like it seems mm -hmm. like it would not take much to be like, yep, I'm just going to fall forward over the handlebars. Yep. Going downhill at least. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's also happened to me while snowboarding. So I just fall and then continue falling downhill. <laughs> I guess on the one side, you're still making forward progress to whatever your destination yeah, is. Yeah, so, that, that is a plus side. Never thought of that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're still going down, which is, yummy. Yeah, your <laughs> ultimate goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, execution's maybe not great, but. <laughs> All right, so how would you, how has your, like, grad school experience been um it's been good i've had ups and downs um ultimately ultimately the best part of grad school that i had have i've had so far was building up to that trip to antarctica um because that was fulfilling you know the the more adventurous side of me going out and doing something outside um getting to work on something in a really remote environment, uh, things like that. And I was building myself up knowing that I was going to do that. Um, so I had really, really high motivation and determination to see that through. So that was a very big high for me. And then coming back from Antarctica and having to move into a more analysis-driven um, topic, something that would keep me on a computer, you know, eight hours a day. Um, that has been more of the struggle for me. And um, so it's had its ups and downs, um, good times and bad times. Definitely. So, the, so then what do you like plan on doing um, after this to fill that adventurous, you know, desire? Yeah, so my ultimate dream job is to be an astronaut. Um, and I, I did recently apply in, in the pool that they had in back in March. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But I'm hoping um, that's my ultimate goal, I'll always be working towards that. Um, but in the meantime, I'm hoping to get my foot in the door in the space industry. Um, maybe somewhere at NASA or some private space uh, company, um, hoping for a job that gets me more on my feet, um, maybe field deployment, um, prototype testing, I don't know, things like that, uh, just to get me <laughs> back into the more <laughs> active side of me that really has been missing these last couple of years. Nice. Very nice. Yes. I, I think that's something like physics. I don't know if it's physics specific, but a lot of academic stuff, it seems like I am at a computer doing, mm -hmm. doing something. And I agree that doesn't, that doesn't appeal to me either. I would like to travel and go somewhere, meet new people and do different things. Yeah. I feel like 
I didn't really understand what physics was when I was in high school, because in high school, I mean, you're solving problems on a piece of paper, and you don't really get a feel of what a job in physics would actually be like, um, which nowadays is a lot of computer work, a lot of coding, um, unless you go into a purely uh, hardware job where you're just working in a lab all day. But a lot of physics is is done on a computer, which I didn't think I fully understood. Um, I mean, I still love physics. I love the work that physicists do. I just, I want a more active job. Yes, yeah. I, <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, it's, coding isn't, isn't interesting to me. <laughs> and Zero interest here as well. It's like soul sucking, actually. Like as I sit at my computer coding, I'm just like, I feel myself wasting away. This isn't what I'm meant to do. <laughs> I'm not meant to find where I forgot my semicolon. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those darn semicolons. <laughs> well, nice. So, would you, how, so what, I can't, so, hold on, mental fart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how was that transition directly into like grad school for you? That like first year, how was your first year? My first year of grad school? Yeah. My first year, I think went, I mean, super nice and- oh, okay. I mean, coming from MIT, a lot of the, a lot of the classes I took, I kind of already learned the material. Um, it was just learning it here in a different way than MIT taught. Um, so the classes for me weren't uh, too much of a problem, and I got to spend more time working on research during my first year than I would than I think a normal grad student would be able to, um, which was also good because that got me working on the things I needed to work on to be able to uh, be chosen to go down to Antarctica. So um, yeah, I think nice. MIT in a way made my first year a little less painless than it normally would be. Nice. What about like the more social or home life aspects of that first year or is it mostly like I am focusing on completing these classes and do research um I think it's more of this the latter for me I'm not very social and I pick like you know a few people that I hang around and do uh do uh physics with and um those people tended to be in the in the neutrino physics community, so I would hang out a lot with people that are working on Tidike, which is a neutrino experiment in Japan. Um, they have a big group here, and as well uh, the Ice Cubers and all of them. So, uh, but I had my husband, <laughs> and I'm I'm a pretty pretty much a loner, so I would I mean I had him all around all the time, so. Uh, he pretty much fulfilled that that side of social interaction for me. 
<laughs> your forever friend there is <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> oh, very nice did he move out to like boston also did you were you together like the entire journey he we broke up in high school and we got back together in in uh, college and he spent the last semester at mit with me um in boston and then we moved out to michigan right after right after i graduated together no oh, very, nice. very nice yeah do you have similar like reason like academic backgrounds uh oh absolutely not no. well uh we, I mean, we both had the same goal when, when we were in high school. We both wanted to go to the Air Force Academy um, and become pilots uh, in the Air Force. Um, and that's actually what broke us up in the first place is because we were too competitive with each other because not many people get to go to the Air Force Academy. And we just weren't supportive of each other's successes at all. <laughs> We're like, I should have been the one to get this award or that leadership position, whatever. Um, but that those plans kind of fell through. Um, I got a pretty serious injury from soccer my senior, uh, junior year of high school that prevented me from doing the physical fitness tests. So I went another route um, for the ultimate goal of the astronaut which is the science route. Um, and then he started to do, I think he started at UNLV, uh, U University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He started doing uh, mechanical engineering and then I think he switched to computer science and then he hasn't finished a degree yet. I don't know if he plans to, but it's been all over the place. We are definitely not in the same tracks of in terms of uh, academics. Okay, very interesting. When you got injured in soccer, did you tell your mom, see, like, flying and skydiving is totally safe. It was soccer that got me hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so she knew soccer got me hurt. So I, I played goalkeeper, uh, which is one of the more injury-ridden positions because you have to use your body to stop this projectile from going into a goal. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was injured all the time. Uh, I dislocated my shoulder from flying into a goal post. I was in the hospital for a week for, for something that somebody kicked me in the stomach for. Like she knew, she knew it was, uh, it, I mean, <laughs> I was always in the in, in the emergency room. <laughs> so much so that I had a nurse uh, there that when they they saw me in in the emergency room they would snag me up, and it was just my nurse in the emergency room. <laughs> I see. Like I also like growing up like i became very familiar with the emergency room at the hospital but i like never for anything cool it was like oh i broke <laughs> my arm because like i got my foot stuck on top of like a taekwondo kicking bag and then i fell and landed on it or like <laughs> i was running down a hill and i tripped and fell like it was for a very <laughs> clumsy related i have those too <laughs> definitely have those stories that's a thrilling and exciting life of Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell um, 
I was riding in one of on one of the Michigan River Trail bridges during a rainy day, and those things are super slick apparently. And I was turning to go up the bridge, and my bike slipped, and I smashed my face into the bridge, and ended up getting this huge black eye um, from smashing my face into a bridge because I fell off my bike. So uh, I have those stories too. Nice. I once gave myself a black eye in my sleep because I just whacked my head against the bed. So (laughs) very similar lifestyles we have. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was, I think I was in like kindergarten or first grade or something like that when I did that. So then I'm like a first grader with a black eye (laughs) because. Yep. Definitely done those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, great. Do you have to kind of finish things up? Do you have any like advice or parting wisdom that you would give to say either first year grad students or maybe undergrads who are thinking about potentially going to grad school? Um, I would say, I feel like maybe everyone says this is finding the people you work well with. Um, Science in general, even if you're not going in, into physics specifically, I feel is a very collaborative area um, to work in. And um, you'll be working with people all day, every day. You're never really going to be working alone. Um, so finding the people that you work well with um, is, is the biggest thing, I think. Uh, and that's also how I survived MIT is finding people I worked well with. How I'm surviving grad school is finding people that I work well <laughs> with. Um, and yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is, is finding those those people. All right. Very good. Good advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thank you. It was it was fun talking to you. Um, yeah. Thank you for for doing this. Thank you for having me.